the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Joshua. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Then you have to fight to be a person who walks in faith. Because the natural default for every single one of us is to walk in fear. I don't care how mighty of a person you are. Take it from the lesson of Joshua, a very mighty man. He had to be told four times in the first chapter, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Because that thin line is very real in every single one of our lives. When was the last time that you struggled with fear in your life? Maybe you were fearful of finances or for your child who is going astray. Maybe you're even in fear for your health. In today's message, Pastor Gary will be sharing about having to fight to keep faith in God and not letting fear overtake our lives and emotions. Every day is a battle to choose to trust God at His Word and not let the worries of this world steal our joy. The story of Joshua encourages us to wake up and fight against fear every day. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. This is the list. From 586 B.C., the Babylonian Empire followed by the Persian Empire, then the Greek Empire, then the Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire, the Arab Islamic Empire, the Catholic Crusaders, the Mamelukes, the Ottoman Empire, and then the British Empire. The British defeated the Ottoman Turks in World War I as part of the Allied forces because at that particular time, the Ottoman Turks had allied themselves with Germany. The Ottoman Turks had uh, made an an offensive attack against Russia. The Allied forces intervened. Britain, obviously, a part of the Allied forces in World War I. And so the British army took the Ottoman Empire and pushed them and defeated them and recaptured, the British did, recaptured the territory that we're talking about here. Because the British had successfully defeated the Ottoman Empire, the British Empire entered into a a treaty in 1917 called the Balfour Declaration, which determined that the Jewish people were entitled to their own state. And so in 1917, under the Balfour Declaration, the British gave the Jewish people this territory. Well, the Hussein family objected. The Arab population said, that's not fair to us. Even though the Arab nations surrounding Israel occupied hundreds of thousands of square miles, 
We want some of that territory that the British Empire has designated to the state of Israel. The Hussein family led the objection. So, in 1922, when Winston Churchill was the Secretary of State for the colonies of the British Empire, he took out a map to appease the Hussein family, took a crayon, and drew a line down the Jordan River and said, the west side of the Jordan River then will be the state of Israel. The east side will be what is called Transjordan. In 1946, the east side was officially changed to the name Jordan. It was a whimsical decision. Winston Churchill just decided, we're going to draw a crayon down the Jordan River. We're going to give the west to the Jewish people. We're going to give the east to the Hussein family in deference to appease the Hussein family. Today, Jordan is still run by the Hussein family. King Abdullah, his real name is King Abdullah II bin al-Hussein. And so they still dominate the, the side of Jordan, the western side of the state of Israel. But again, this is what God originally intended. This is what the Jewish people today have as the state of Israel. And even all of that is, some of that is disputed territory because of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. The state of Israel today is smaller than the state of New Jersey, can fit into any of the Great Lakes, and this is just a fraction of what God originally intended. Why is this important to know? Because I want everybody to understand, whenever you hear there can be land for peace, if Israel would just give up land, then they can have peace. Number one, that's never worked. And number two, how much more land should they give up compared to what God originally intended them to have? It's an unbiblical proposition. So this is history. I'm I'm just giving you the history of it. And to show you that right out of Scripture, these are the borders and the boundaries that God has defined. So this is what God has said to Joshua, to the Jewish people. They're to go in. They're to take the land because God had originally promised it on oath To Abraham, after 400 years of slavery, they're going home. And so, he says in verse 5, back to your Bibles, Joshua 1, 5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, we'll come back to that. But the next verse, verse 6, be strong and of good courage. For you note-takers, this is an important verse. You can write it down. Be strong and courageous is found four times in this first chapter. Four times. Verses 6, 7, 9, and 18. And we'll explain why. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. So this is the directive. He's saying to Joshua, now, When you get into the promised land, you you are going to divide it into different geographical territories. You're going to split it among the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, which remember were made up by 12 tribes, the 12 sons of Jacob. And so each tribe is going to get a land allotment. And so God is telling him, when you get there, be, be prepared to divide the land so that the people that I've promised this to can live in their different regional territories. But before they're going to be able to live there in peace, you're going to have to go in and conquer it. Because during the 400 years that you Hebrew slaves have been in Egypt, 
There have been people that have been dominating the land that are idolatrous. They are pagan people. You're going to have to go in there. You're going to have to displace them and you're going to have to crush all their idols because you can't go into this land and expect to worship me. You're going to be seduced by their idols. So there's work to be done first, but God is telling him, be strong, courageous. You're going to divide the land when you get there. Verse seven, only be strong and very courageous. There he repeats it again with a very emphasis that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant commanded you. Don't turn from the right or to the left. Okay, now he's emphasizing the law here. By the way, this is the first individual in all of the Bible that God commands. I want you to be guided, guarded, and governed by my word. This is the first individual. He sets an example for us that we should be guided, governed, and guarded by the word of God. We're going to talk more in a moment. He says that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it. Circle that word meditate. Day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Not some of it, not the convenient parts, all of it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. For have I not commanded you? And again, the third time, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pause there because there's a lot in here I want to unpack with you. Four times in this first chapter, three of them we've read so far where God says be strong and courageous. Now, why would he have to tell Joshua this? You know, you don't tell somebody something unless... They need to hear it, all right? So the understanding is God knows that Joshua has some trepidation here. Again, he's, he's taking a huge responsibility, so God is encouraging him to be strong and very courageous. But it's curious to me, why does God have to tell this particular guy to be strong and courageous? Why is it curious to me? Because the very first time that we are introduced to Joshua in all of the Bible is Exodus chapter 17. And when we're introduced to him in Exodus chapter 17, he's a warrior. He's a soldier. He's fighting the Amalekites in Exodus chapter 17. Moses taps him on the shoulder and says, Joshua. It's the first time we hear his name mentioned, Exodus 17 verse 9. Joshua, I want you to take a bunch of the strongest, mighty men of the Israelites, and I want you to fight the Amalekites, because the Amalekites were perennial enemies of the Israelites. And so Joshua's leading the battle. Now, in Exodus chapter 17, there's this wonderful scene that some of you are probably familiar with, where... The Bible tells us that when Moses, the leader of the, of the Hebrew people at this particular time, because they're still in the wilderness wandering part of their venture to the promised land, that whenever Moses, so Moses would go up on the hill overlooking the valley where this battle was happening between the Amalekites and the Israelites. The Bible says whenever Moses, with his staff in hand, would hold his hands up, in this posture of like prayer or praise to God, that the Israelites would have victory over the Amalekites. But whenever he got tired and his arms would drop, the Amalekites would start to have victory over the Israelites. And so I I try to imagine how this is working. Like, you know, did God actually reveal this to him or did he just notice it by observation? He's up on the hill. He's got his staff. He's got his hands up. Every time he's like, okay, Lord, please help. Hey, wow, look at that. Hey, the Israelites are winning. Wow, that's incredible. Whoa, now the Amalekites are winning. Hands back up. Okay, Israelites are winning again. Oh, I'm kind of tired. Whoa, oh, there they go again. Oh, I got to get my hands back up. Oh, there's one of those Israelite guys I never really did like. I'm going to take my hands down. See oh, no, that's not right. Okay, so he's going through this whole thing back and forth, right? The Bible says his arms get tired, so Aaron and her help prop him up. 
So they put Moses on a rock, they sit him down, and then hers on one arm and Aaron's on the other, and they're holding up his arms. And the Bible says, as long as Moses held up his arms, the Israelites had victory. God was giving favor, and the Israelites were victorious over the Amalekites. But every time I hear Exodus 17 preached, it's all about that. It's all about Moses and Aaron and her. Okay, great. Moses was sitting, and Aaron and her were propping up his arms. How hard is that? You know where it was really hard? Down in the valley, where Joshua was. Joshua's with the sword, like, ah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Moses, Aaron, and her, how you doing up there? Yeah. Well, I'm chopping up people. I'm glad you can hold up his arms, you know. And there Joshua is. That's this guy. This guy's in the valley with the sword. In fact, in Exodus 17, verse 13, it says, So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. That's the tribute to Joshua. He's this mighty guy, this warrior. He's this, you know, slayer with a sword. That's Joshua. That's why it's curious to me when we get here to the first chapter of the book that bears his name, four times we read that he had to be encouraged, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why this guy? If there's anybody who's already strong and courageous, it would be this guy. Except that this is what it tells us, I think. There's a fine line in all of us between faith and fear. It's a very thin line that you have to fight to be a person who walks in faith because the natural default for every single one of us is to walk in fear. I don't care how mighty of a person you are. Take it from the lesson of Joshua, a very mighty man. He had to be told four times in the first chapter, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Because that thin line is very real in every single one of our lives. There's times that I'm sure all of us could say, man, we just really felt the presence of God, the strength from the Lord that only came from him. It isn't of me. And I'm walking in faith and I'm trusting God and I'm doing well. And then in like a minute, you can also be on the other side of that line. Go, oh, I'm scared to death. Oh, I I can't believe this is happening to me. And, you know, where's God when I need him? And, you know, 15 minutes ago, you had the faith of God. Why are you now walking in fear? Because there's that thin line where we're always having to fight it. Even the strongest, most courageous among us are having to fight to walk in faith because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind is what Paul writes to Timothy. And it is, it is the default in every single one of us to gravitate towards fear, to think the worst, to believe the worst. To, to start to panic, to start to worry, to start to be anxious, to start to be fearful. I'm not saying that to shame anybody. I, I identify with human flesh like the rest of us. I'm saying to us that if a guy like Joshua, who was a mighty man by nature, needed to be encouraged to be strong and courageous, it's probably a good reminder to all of us that there's this element of fear that we're always going to have to fight against, press against, so that we can be men and women who walk in faith. Amen? That's what this story is about. So then the question becomes, well, how can I be a person who is strong and courageous, walking in faith and not in fear? And I think that in this first eight verses here, that God helps us to understand as he explains to Joshua. 
Here's how you can be strong and courageous. So what I think that he points us to are two things. The first is the reminder of the comfort of God's presence. The comfort of God's presence. Three times, almost as many times as the phrase, be strong and courageous. Three times in the first chapter is this statement from God that he will always be there. It is verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Is the comfort of his presence. Further down in verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then a verse we haven't gotten to yet, but you can jump ahead to verse 17. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, the people are saying this to Joshua, so we will heed you, only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. So they're just reiterating what God is saying. Three times in chapter 1. We are reminded of the presence of God. We have to think on that. When you get to that place of fear, you need to remind yourself, God is present with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. You have to just quote scripture to remind yourself of the presence of God. It's intended to bring comfort to us so we can be strong and courageous. This is what God said through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's Isaiah 41.10. What a great verse. Just a reminder of God's abiding presence. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So that's one thing that God says to Joshua. Here, I want you to be strong and courageous. Now, let me remind you three times. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And the second thing that we see here to help us be strong and courageous is the counsel of God's word. He mentions here in this, in this part of, uh, starting in verse seven, only be strong and courageous, very courageous that you may observe. You can circle that. Observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the right or to, uh, or to the right hand or to the left. That you may prosper in whatever you do. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So there's this strong emphasis on the counsel of God's word. So God is saying, I'm going to be with you and I want you to heed my word. This is part of the instruction that Moses gave you. God's saying, I'm restating it. And so we're drawn to see two things here. The first is he says, I want you to observe, or literally it means to obey all of my word. The Hebrew word is shamar, to observe or to obey. And it means to keep, to heed, to observe, to obey. And so as he says here, I want you to observe, to do all according to the written in the word. I want you to obey this. This is good for you. Because he says, listen, there's this natural built-in benefit to it. I'm going to make you prosperous in all that you do. If you follow my commands, it goes well with you. And the Bible emphasizes this to us. 
what marks a true disciple of Jesus? Well, it's because we walk in his word. We obey what he says. John 8, 31 to 32, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So walk in that truth. John would also write in 1 John 5, verse 3, this is love for God. How can we show our love for God? To keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. And why are they not burdensome? Because if you really walk in truth, as Jesus told us, that the truth will set us free, there's no burden in being liberated. That's a wonderful place to be. And God's word is given to us so that we might have a proper guide for our lives and that when we do according to what God says, it just goes better for us. The Bible says in Proverbs that the way of the transgressor is hard. We bring hardship into our lives when we live contrary to the Word of God. It goes better for us when we obey the Word of God. That's just the way it works. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 22, but Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you're only a hearer and not a doer, you deceive yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, notice that, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And so there's this constant attachment of God's blessing to our obedience. When we do what God says, it goes well for us. So there's this emphasis here on observing or obeying the word of God. And then the other thing that he adds there is the word meditate, that we need to meditate on on the word of God. That's verse Eight, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. The word meditate in the Hebrew means to ponder, to consider, to think about what you've just read. It's interesting too, the same Hebrew word can mean to mutter. Listen, I found this interesting. To growl like a lion, to coo like a dove. And I, I thought that's kind of an interesting translation of the Hebrew, but it it started to remind me of, you know, when you take your Bibles and go to a place where, you know, you have some quiet time with the Lord, maybe get a cup of coffee and just some kind of solitude, as you're starting to, you know, meditate on the Word, you're just kind of like whispering under your breath as you're reading it. There's this muttering that happens as you're meditating on, as you're pondering it, as you're uh, taking to heart what it says. And this is what the psalmist would write in Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Blessed is the man, is, is, the, is the woman, is the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And as a result, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So again, there's always this attachment to God's good favor to us when we listen to his word and put it into practice. May we be doers and not hearers only. 
You want to be strong and courageous? I hope we all do. Well, let's always remember the comfort of God's presence. And let's always walk in the counsel of God's word. That we might be strong and courageous people. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message in the book of Joshua again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Under the teachings option, you can download our mobile app to stay connected with God's Word everywhere you go. While you're there, you'll notice our companion resources. These digital study guides give you some additional insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done. They are completely free for you to use. If this ministry continues to be a blessing to you and you want to listen to more teachings, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify so you never miss another message. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry out of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you in person, so come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today, so put a marker in your Bible right there in Joshua, and we'll plan to study the Word again next time. Thanks so much for listening to Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.